Um, welcome to another episode of the CNC Collective. In this episode, we'll be talking to a TV presenter and a journalist. She recently um, has been featured in a BBC documentary, which has um, been released. Um, just so everyone knows who we are talking to and who you are, please can you introduce yourself? Yes. So thank you so much for having me. My name is Natalie De Silva. And I'm a TV presenter, journalist and a blogger. And um, yes, I was actually recently featured in a BBC Three documentary called Is This Coercive Control? And the documentary is based on, you know, seeing the red flags early on in relationships and just kind of recognising those signs um, because coercive control has recently um, been seen as a criminal offence. So you can actually be charged for that and I think a lot of people didn't realize that so it was really really um, inspiring and actually really happy to be a part of such an important topic um, and yeah I think in general I've um, been really blessed to be in part of a lot of different projects and I'm just really glad to be able to share it with you guys. Amazing. Well, um, it's so lovely to have you um, as part of this podcast. I'm so excited to have you on this show. I've got a lot to ask um, you and obviously we'll be getting into the BBC topic later sure. on in the show. Sure. Um, but I just want to um, start off by the beginning. Um, you know, firstly, how did this um, journey begin in the entertainment world for you? Oh, gosh. Oh, do you know what? Speaking about it will make me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> But um, it all pretty much started when I um, was in college, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I was kind of just on this journey of think figuring out what I wanted to do with my life and career. Because I think since early on, since early on I've been so career-driven as a child. Um, so it kind of just started off with being interested in performing arts and media. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, in particular, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. But I did know I wanted to do something performance-based. Mm -hmm. um, so what I did was I enrolled onto um, a drama school and that's called Identity Drama School um, and that really helped me in terms of confidence wise and being able to speak in front of audiences and stuff like that um, so I did that for a couple of years and at the same time um, I went on to uni and studied journalism at um, South, Bank, South Bank University and I did that for three years as well so at the time I was pretty much juggling drama and also journalism as well. And at the time, I didn't really know which one to pick. I didn't know. I was just kind of going with the flow. But I really did know that I wanted to um, go into journalism and media and um, drama as well. So I just wanted to be able to kind of just explore those realms and, and see where it takes me. And okay. yeah, and at the time, um, I did a lot of work experience because, you know, when they when they say at, at school that, you know, you've got to make sure you do your work experience and work experience, work experience. So I made the time to go on to work experience. And I did this while I was, a, I was at college and university. So I did a lot of work experience. I made so many connections. And from then on, I was able, you know, I kind of decided, you know what, I'm going to stick with journalism because I felt like there was more of a, um, it was more of a passion that I felt like I needed to go into. And just kind of storytelling and being able to share stories across, you know, social media. I was really into all of that. So I decided to kind of stick with that lane. And then that pretty much ended up to where I am now. Brilliant. So would you say that um, going into the entertainment industry was like a natural progression? Because obviously you wanted to, you were always into like performing in school. Yeah. Was entertainment always the end goal? Absolutely. 
Um, I think for some, you know, some people, they figure out later on in life what yeah. their calling is. I think for me, it was earlier on, as I mentioned before, um, I, I knew I had this sort of bug of entertainment, but I didn't know what um, to do with it in a sense. Um, so I kind of just um, yearned on that and just kind of um, explored the opportunities that I had available and just kind of grasped onto that because, you know, I was naturally career driven as a child anyway. You know, as a child, I'll be thinking, you know, when I'm older, I want to do this, I want to do that. So it kind of just naturally led me on to the career I am today. Amazing. So just before was I looked into obviously your work yeah. um, and we had a conversation last week about it and I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah. this is amazing. But um, just before you actually got into presenting, yeah. you actually were an actress first. So yeah. um, speaking to you, you were actually featured in two big feature films. Right. Um, so when we connected, I was just like, sorry, what? Like, I watched <laughs> that film. Um, so the first one was Tarzan, obviously the Hollywood um, film Tarzan right. with Margot. Robbie and then obviously we've got the um, Netflix film Siege of uh, Jackalville um, which right. is on Netflix so mm-hmm. um, with all this did you ever think that you would um, you know have the opportunity to be part of these big Hollywood films? Absolutely not that was kind of like it was a shock actually when I got the call yeah. that I was going to be part of it because um, at the time I was also training to be an actress as well Um, Okay. Yeah. And luckily for me, I didn't need to audition for those roles because um, the role required um, someone to speak their home language, which for me was Mm -hmm. Lala, because obviously, Mm -hmm. especially for Tarzan, um, the film is set in Kong. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was just like, what? (laughs) When they were speaking in the film, I was like, I know this language. What are they saying? Right. Yeah. My gosh. Wow. And I think that doesn't actually get much recognition. Like, the film is based in Congo. And I think a a lot of people kind of miss that. You know, you wouldn't think Mm. Tarzan and Congo, you wouldn't put that in the same in the same um, field but yeah uh, I was lucky enough to be part of those two um as I mentioned I didn't need to audition for the role so I was really glad Mm -hmm. to be able to speak my um native tongue and in such a big production as those two and actually once I completed both of those projects Tarzan and Sage of Jedeville I kind of Mm -hmm. decided to steer away from drama because I just felt like um you know a lot of people they kind of see you know acting as oh my gosh like they see the stars they see the the events they see all this you know everything that's glittery and gold but yeah yeah and in reality it's not the case it's a lot of hard work a lot Mm. lot of hard work and Mm. and and you just got to be really dedicated I think um Mm -hmm. and for me it was just a sense of stability with with, yeah do you know what I mean like with um acting it's not as stable as people think you most of the time it's hard work but you get hard working actors who are still unemployed till this day wow yeah wow it's yeah it's so crazy so for me I was um at a a point thinking shall I you know sacrifice you know my stability for my passion in acting or should I kind of move on into a direction which I will be stable and I'll also Mm. enjoy it just as much so that's why I kind of steered away from acting um yeah but I I never will say never you know I never know I probably would get back into it um, yeah. later on in life but I think for now I prefer reporting on the films mm-hmm. rather than being in it so yeah okay amazing I mean we need more films that you know uh, definitely push the Lingala language right. I mean, having two uh, major Hollywood films with major actors in it that actually I think Margot Robbie was actually speaking in Lingala in the yeah. dialogue I don't know if it, yeah. I don't know if it was a voiceover <laughs> but I was just like what do you even know what you're saying <laughs> um, but it was great to have that um, featured in there and you know I, I actually used to with a actor myself and I remember wow. he used to tell me that sometimes you'll go to auditions mm. and pay 
so much money for trains and then you wouldn't get the audition and it's like I was like wow I just thought that obviously Hollywood but clearly not um <laughs> the reality is just like everything you know it needs hard work especially in this um entertainment industry so um, absolutely there's yeah. a lot of sacrifice you've got to make I think that's one thing that you know people kind of tend to forget um especially people if you are going into it for superficial reasons I think you've just got to really think really hard like if this is the the career that you want to do and if it is then go full force for it do you know what I mean so it's it's just about having that passion I think that's pretty much mm. what wins it over yeah definitely I mean you know you've had a journey I mean obviously now you know we've covered the acting but I want to talk a bit about uh, your presenting work yeah. which you're currently doing now so I had a look I uh, had a bit of research you've you it seems like you've uh, you've tried to involve your your a lot of work mm. is centered around the African diaspora right. so a lot of your presenting projects are focused within that area right. so um i know um uh, mainly in the uk and us so i know you covered afropunk in 2017 right. um how important is it to be a voice um and represent i guess what is happening within our di- diaspora mm, so important especially current mm. times i think um you know it's easy to kind of think you know no one will listen to your voice or they'll just probably think you know I don't have the responsibility to speak on my community but I think we all have that responsibility you know it doesn't matter whether you have a bigger platform or a smaller platform Um, and for me it was just a sense of getting you know the Africa diaspora out there into the mainstream and that's kind of what my agenda was because I felt like especially in media there is a there's a lack of representation I think they're doing okay now they're doing too bad Mm, now but um, yeah but generally speaking it could be a lot better um yeah especially with tv presenting and and everything Mm -hmm. like that it's um diversity is still minimal you know there's still so Mm -hmm. much work to do I think in that in that area yeah Um, so I kind of naturally um went into you know the African media because I felt um for for one I felt you know they would accept me with open arms you know yeah I mean race wouldn't be an issue for that um so I kind of just used my time because I'd worked with a company called Africa X5 um and what we did was we went to a lot of different African events, you know, um, based around fashion, music, entertainment as a whole. And we'll promote some of the artists and some of the fashion designers and use their platform to kind of promote it to a wider audience. And so, yeah. I, you know, I love the idea of that. So I kind of used my time to make connections of my own, um, you know, and use some of um, my experience in that to take on to bigger, um, bigger mainstream media as well Mm -hmm. so it kind of was a learning experience for me also but it also um, was a stamp of approval for myself to know that Mm -hmm. um, you know I did my part in kind of bringing African media into like a mainstream thing so yeah well you know touching on that you're you're completely right I think we need more faces I know there's quite a one or two people that I've seen who are from our diaspora that report on African affairs and obviously within our communities and I think we need more of that representation and I know there's that kind of um you know as you said not all what glitters is gold so going mainstream doesn't necessarily mean that you know it's it's a better option I think if we invest as much as we did in mainstream in our own communities um who knows where it would be and I know um just last week I was speaking to a film director and we were talking about you know difficulties about Mm. being um a black female in films and just last week we had the um uproar with Michaela Cole and Emily in Paris um saga 
and obviously how Michaela Cole wasn't recognized was wasn't given recognition uh. for um her drama that she I think produced and created and, and partly directed um so I do think that it still needs to change I think across entertainment um so yeah you're completely right but definitely keep on doing what you're doing because we need uh, more voices like you within that um which really kind of leads on to my next question because I wanted to ask you more about the Afro punk right. so you did this in 2017 right. so what did you find different about doing Afro punk in Bro- in Brooklyn mm. um to working in the UK events like how are the diaspora out there because obviously we hear stories like they we don't know where they're from they find they think they have this perception as we do all dancing around fires (laughs) um you know my sister went to new york a couple of uh, i think probably last year and just the perception of they had of africa it was completely different it's like it's not coming to america Mm. zamunda's not real so how was it (laughs) for you in terms of um being around those people and and their kind of grasp Mm. on africa do you know what's interesting, actually? When I did um, uh, go to Brooklyn and interview some of, you know, get the guests at Afropunk, um, a lot yeah. of them were um, culturally aware, actually, of the mm. culture, which I was quite surprised about, you know? Um, I think maybe me just being, obviously, lit, born and bred in London and, and yeah. you know, how Africa's viewed in, in the American media. But for me, when I actually spoke to some of these people, they were really aware of what was going on and they were saying, you know, stuff how, you know, a lot of them have done, like, DNA testing to find out where their roots are and um, some of them even refused to call themselves African-American, referring to themselves completely as African because... Yeah, oh, wow. I was really shocked about that. So I think it's more of a sense of they're kind of adapting to what's going on and they're kind of mm-hmm. um, almost kind of going back to their roots in a sense. Yeah. Um, because I think the main thing that's different between, you know, the African-Americans and um, Africans living here in the UK is that um, in a sense, we're more connected to our roots because we kind of yes. know, we know our background, we know... Um, where our past is in terms of countries but with the African-American it's a, lot, it's a little bit more blurred um, so a lot of them were really vocal about the fact that they are on a journey to find their roots and they were really proud to show that you know they didn't know which country they were from but they were just you know glad to embrace the culture and everything like, back their power that they once had um, so it was really inspiring to see that actually and just to see a lot of them you know celebrate that Mm. was really really inspiring and um i think the whole afropunk um agenda yeah. is really really interesting as well because they, yeah i was gonna yeah. ask you about that as well what it actually is yeah about. so afropunk is basically just a combining the african culture with um indie punk culture as well okay. because you know usually they will associate the punk culture with someone who's you know mainstream and caucasian um, so they wanted mm-hmm. to kind of blur the lines and and tell them there is you know people of you know the african-american race who do like this sort of indie punk culture as well so it's kind of just like combining two things that you wouldn't think go together go together mm-hmm. and also it's just a celebration of you know the african arts african music um and just pioneering for a lot of black musicians as well um and i think recently it has gotten a lot bigger as well because it started off as something small and it just kind of got attraction and i think they do it also in paris as well they do some in london um, so it's wow. it's a really um, really cultural movement event, which I think a lot more people need to hear about. 
Oh, wow, that's amazing. Um, and uh, this is something really that, you know, going on to your uh, presenting journey, mm-hmm. something that I really want to um, get your opinion on and, and obviously, you know, let our community, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I guess, give cartoon right. community tips on how to cope with this. So I always find it's always something that I find um fascinating Mm -hmm. about creatives um and I know with myself being one is how do we tackle um how do you tackle your Mm. fear was obviously being in this entertainment industry you know you're on Mm. tv you you get um big projects you meet all these different people so for example um you know you featured on a number you've presented on a number of tv programs like nonny tv and yanga tv so working in a live Mm. setting now how do you compose yourself um you know on a tv of i guess on any project that you've worked on what's your kind of go-to like i know do you take deep breaths Mm. in and out do you do a prayer like what is it how do you compose that's a very good question (laughs) (laughs) um you know you you know it's funny usually a lot of people would think um that my personality is kind of out there and how do i get so confident in being part of these big um, projects but that's the opposite yeah. for me like I, I would you know refer to myself as being quite shy um, and I'm not like an out there I don't have an out there character but um, for me I think it's more just the drive um, in myself um, yeah. because I for me like I always know what I'm striving towards and then that almost helps me to um, to go to these big projects and to be able to communicate with these um, people in in these big projects as well. Um, so, for example, with the BBC documentary that I did, um, I, at first I was kind of intimidated to to reach out to them when when they you know responded to me. I was quite intimidated. I was thinking, do I really want to do this? Like this is a big mm-hmm. thing. Um, but it's in a sense where knowing myself and my worth and I was thinking, do you know what? I've worked so hard to come this far. And the fact that, you know, I've gotten attention yeah. in that sense where they've noticed some of the work that I've done. I'm going to utilize it and, um, you know, in the sense, be one of the first people to, you know, be featured on something like this. And I think I want it to I want to normalize that. So. In a sense, for me, I just kind of where you say, you know, prayer and stuff like that, I kind of find my way to just look yeah. within because I'm quite because I will refer to myself as Christian. So I would obviously work on faith yeah. as well, just to almost just to help me stay driven, because it's easy to mm-hmm. to kind of lose sight of things, and to be discouraged, yes. especially when you don't see anyone else representing you in, in that field. Um, mm. Do you know what uh, I mean? Yeah. So it is quite intimidating. You know, it's not, it's like I mentioned before, like diversity is still still an issue, especially in the entertainment industry. So for me, mm-hmm. it's mostly to do with my driven character. And, and that's with anyone, you know, if you are driven about something, if you are passionate about something, even if it is a Caucasian dominated um, area, just go for it because you don't know what you can do. Who else can mm. look up to you? And just to even get the motivation to apply to this place, to apply to this job. Um, to be part of something so I would say um, being driven and staying passionate and if you're if you have faith look into that as well because yeah. all of those things can really just help you drive into the right direction yeah definitely and um, this is exactly what I want to move on to next is talk about the BBC um, and um, you know so let's talk about you know your BBC project so what's the you mentioned it on earlier on the 
on the show what it was called. So just so um, any of our audience yeah. missed it, what is this project called and what is it sure. about? So, um, so the documentary on BBC Three is called Is This Coercive Control? Um, what okay. it does is it follows a couple and it's a social experiment. So um, us as the participants, what we do is we have to... Um, notice any red flags there are in relationships and kind of follow the journey of this couple and we talk amongst ourselves and um and discuss whether a certain thing is seen as quite different or is seen a bit odd or whether something can be seen as abusive um or if it's innocent so it's kind of just having a conversation amongst ourselves while we watch this couple go through um a day-to-day um relationship and um, I think one of these topics is very, very important as well, because um, as I mentioned before, um, coercive control is seen as a crime now. So it could be seen as a, yeah, right. as a criminal offence to um, be able to ma- manipulate someone through finances um, and wow. anything like that. Um, so I think it's just pushing that agenda forward and um, just getting people educated on such an Im- important mm-hmm. issue. And I think um, being part of that, experience it was really nice to see you know people from different backgrounds different races as well because I think it's important to hear voices from all cultures not just one um so Mm -hmm. that was pretty much um the agenda of the program and and from what I've seen it's gotten a lot of interesting mixed reviews you know some people were quite shocked of some of the views that we had I don't want to give too much away (laughs) because I do want everyone to go and, and and watch it and kind of decide for yourself but um, overall, it was a really interesting documentary to be a part of. And even with that experience, you know, um, they told us that we couldn't have our phones. We had to make sure that we were off social media, you know, no electronics at all. So we just had to be present in the moment. Um, and it was a really good experience, actually. Well, this is what I was going uh, going to go move on to about um, how did you find being part of such an experiment was it intense um obviously because it was so um because obviously some of the stuff I mean I haven't watched it myself but Mm. I can imagine some of the things that you did see I mean how was the reaction amongst the peers in the room of what they Mm. saw and did it make you realize actually some of my past relationships maybe that wasn't right right it was a quite an eye-opener I would say um for me um the whole experience was um was that when we got there it was a three-day shoot so mm-hmm. we got into this um, big house and you know they had all the filming set up and everything like that and they made sure that we had a psychologist on set also because you know like you were saying before it is a sensitive topic so it could trigger certain people yeah um mm-hmm. so they had a psychologist on set and they kind of just briefed us um what we was going to witness and what we was going to do as well and um, in between shoots, they'll make us do team bonding activities. So, yeah, so okay. that was really interesting because it almost kind of made us all go back to square one. So, you know, talking to each other without the use of phones, just literally having conversations. And I think they wanted to build that um, so that when we do um, watch the journey of the couple and they, they film this, they showed us this during like on a screen. Um, so it was, yeah. it was more so just to kind of um, be present and not be distracted and even when you're filming with people, what people don't realise is sometimes you do need a, like, a really good connection because if that can you know, change the way some things are portrayed and stuff like that. So with us, going back to the team building, they made us do a lot of team building games, you know, board games, you know, word guessing games. And all of that, I think, made it really good because we were all comfortable by the end of the day. And 
So we was able mm-hmm. to kind of just bounce off each other and and go into detail what we thought was going on. So it was a really, I think it was a really interesting way to um, to touch on such a sensitive topic. Yeah, and I guess with all of you guys being in the room, it makes it more natural, your bond, and not exactly. so um, forced, exactly. I guess. And um, how was it like, obviously, working with the BBC? Mm. I don't know if it was me, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm going to be on the BBC. It's going to be so weird. Like, how's this going to be? Like, was it ever like, do you, do you ever look at yourself on TV and think, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I was on there? I mean, I know some yeah. people, uh, not everyone, they may get this whole intimidation about it being yeah. on the BBC that oh my gosh can I really yeah. do it so how was your initial reaction when you actually got it because I remember you mentioning to me that they actually approached you to be part yeah of the show. and that was really cool actually um even just you know the whole idea of being on BBC Street it is intimidating and that's understandable it really yeah. is intimidating um but the first actually the first time they reached out to me it was for actually another TV show it wasn't for this one um so okay, because with that one, they decide they asked me to do like a reality TV kind of thing, and that's not really my thing. <laughs> oh gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, BBC at home, can you imagine? Right. Oh gosh. Right. So um, I was a little bit gutted because obviously, you know, you don't get opportunity like that come every. Yeah. Um, so when I um, got an email about being part of this, um, you know, is this coerced control? Um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for it, and. The whole thing was really, I'm not going to lie, like, it was nerve-wracking. It was really, really yeah. nerve-wracking. Yeah. Like, I'll be lying if I said, you know, I came in there and I did my best. No, it's, it's really, it is intimidating. Um, so even after when they called me and we had a chat about, um, they just wanted to get to know me and my points of views and stuff like that. Um, once, you know, once we finished the call, I was like, mm, I mean... I don't think I mean I'm just a regular person I don't think they'll see anything in me anyway so I kind of just brushed it off I didn't really I just kind of brushed it off and then mm-hmm. um a few weeks later I got um, another call where they invited me down to actually the studios the BBC three um, BBC studios to um just to get a bit more in depth and to get to know me a bit more so kind of like an interview um and yeah. even with that I was kind of just I didn't you know sometimes you just black out you don't kind of remember because you're so nervous you just don't remember um so yeah. I kind of went in there you know I did my interview and a few days later they gave me a call and said you know they, they really like the sound of me and they want me to be part of the show um, so yeah I wow. was um I wasn't expecting it at all um and I didn't I didn't kind of have a big idea where you know I was confident in being part of it it was just kind of something that I thought you know I'll give it a shot if I do get it that's great if not then you know it is what it is um but yeah overall I was really yeah I was really really glad to be um, a part of it and you know they came prepared you know they made sure they got someone to pick us up from the house and and everything like that so they were they were you know they took care of us really well I wouldn't expect anything less from a BBC. <laughs> um, and did you have to stay at the house, or was it a case of when you filmed, you would go to and from and make sure you were at uh, the location at a certain oh, time? Oh no! So with this one, we definitely had to stay on site. So the, yeah, so the filming okay. took place in Liverpool, um, so it wasn't in London. Um, so we um, got taken to the station. You know, they bought us tickets and everything like that, and we got um, sent to the house in Liverpool. Um, but they were quite discreet to begin with about where you know the shooting was taking place. Um, mm. But it mm-hmm. was um, it was 
different scenery. Like it literally looked like the countryside. I think to this day, I don't know exactly where we was because from there they took our phones anyway. So I don't even know where it was. Wow. <laughs> but all I, all I remember is that we were in Liverpool. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, Crazy. it was really like, oh gosh, even yeah. just kind of look, thinking, looking back at it, it's kind of like, oh wow. Like, um, just, but yeah. such an amazing opportunity, yeah. though. I mean, you know, having being involved in something like that, and not only that, it's such a uh, sensitive topic that culturally, I think it's really relevant Absolutely. right now. Um, and just being involved in something like that is, you just don't know where it will take you. But, you know, that's an example of you obviously taking adv- uh, advantage of a big opportunity. Absolutely. Right? I think um, anyone who mm. is getting into... Um, the entertainment industry whatever the career is I think just take as much opportunity as you can um, I think yeah. there's this kind of misconception where um, you know some people call others opportunists and stuff like that but I think if you're trying to better yourself and you're just trying to make as much connections as you can um, then I think that's the best thing to do I mean social media wasn't a thing when I was you know doing the whole work experience thing when I was back in secondary school I think mm-hmm. now it's kind of like the best thing to do do you know what I mean so yeah you just got to utilize as much as you can and and also build relationships because you know you'll be surprised how small the world is and you'll be surprised who is who so I think also having like a positive relationship with people that you come into contact with is just as important as well yeah definitely and I think this is what the creative industry and the entertainment uh, industry is built on it's built on building rapport with people making connections and networking otherwise and you know like you said Mm. such a small world like the amount of people I know that know certain people and that's all through networking and how else are we supposed to connect and I think Mm. the world's changing where it wasn't how it used to be Um, and you know it's worked so far from businesses if you see businesses now on social media platforms of where they exactly. connect in like um the new one that's right. just come out clubhouse oh god I think I'm like on there every day <laughs> right. not talking but listening com- conversations but you know big corporate businesses are now on that because they know that's how to do seminars mm. for free um and people interact that way so I think you just have to go with the times Absolutely. and um you know to be honest there's nothing wrong with opportunists as long as you've got exactly. the right intent of um how you go about things um you know but I think it's just the wording opportunities yeah. is always um related to a neg- negative stigma um but yeah no I mean with with that actually I wanted mm. to go into obviously you having uh quite a how long have you been in the entertainment industry how long um, has it been I would say you? it's been about six seven years because I'm yeah, because I six, started seven years, yeah. um, in the middle of uni. So it's been about six, seven mm-hmm. years. And it's, it's been a long journey, I yeah. think. Even for now, I yeah. think there's still so much um, that, I'm, that I want to do and so much that I want to kind of get into. Um, so the journey's not over just mm-hmm. yet. I think it's just starting, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Right. just starting no definitely and it's and it's presenting something um that you want to stick to in terms of is it more sort of news reporting or would you want to do more live tv um what where do you kind of see yourself so for in me the future? I definitely I think my kind of end goal is to um do news reporting in entertainment um yeah because a lot okay um a lot of times you know sometimes when you just kind of turn on the news it's quite depressed depressing to see all of these yeah do you know what very how many deaths today and who's ill today (laughs) i just look on twitter to be honest twitter is my news feed because it's just raw it's the truth like every day is just twitter (laughs) so for me um i'm into reporting and entertainment 
Um, and I th- it yeah. kind of links into my acting background as well with, you know, new releases of films and, and film productions and all that kind of stuff. So I, that's where I see myself working towards. But um, mm-hmm. saying that also, I don't want to limit myself to um, because I think, as, as you were saying before, there's so much opportunities now. So it will be kind of foolish for me to just kind of stick to one. There's, you know, nothing wrong to kind of just see what's out there. And even if it is kind of relating to what I want to get into or, or if not, I think just having that opportunity in itself is where I'm kind of heading mm-hmm. to. Oh, fine. Perfect. Well, I mean, um, this part of the show... Um, I call the five top tips and I do this on every show. So all of our guests that come on board, um, I always basically um, encourage them to give five top tips to our community of how to get into your field. So um, just uh, if, for example, if anyone was to Mm. say to you, Natalie, you know, I want to go into the um, entertainment industry and particularly work on Mm. TV presenting and maybe acting, what are the five top tips that you would... Okay, um, so um, do you know what? A lot of people have asked me in the DM. (laughs) Oh, great. You're not the only one. Um, so I would say, well, for my first tip is to do your research. Um, and that includes yeah. researching actually what is it that you want to do? Because, you know, there is, like I mentioned before, there is a big misconception of some fields. So, for example, like the acting, they will think it's stable. They will think, you know, you'll be booked in something yeah. straight away. And that's not the case. So they need to actually do some research in the field that they want to do. And if they're happy with some of the pros and cons, then they should proceed with that. And then the next tip I would say is to network as we were just talking about network 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 that's like kind of the the basis of um getting into entertainment and that so with networking that includes you know doing work experience taking internships um sometimes also doing free paid work I know free um work not paid because I know it can be a pain sometimes to have to it's it's a sacrifice you know depending on people's circumstances uh, I was lucky enough to be able mm-hmm. to do that while I was at uni and having a job that yeah. allows me to um, to do things at a certain time. But um, networking is a huge thing to do. Um, so research, networking. And then the third tip is to promote yourself. And that means mm-hmm. not just having a social media page, because I know, you know, a lot of people do have that, but it's actually have a place where it shows all of your work. And even no matter how big or small it is, it's something, you know, something that kind of promotes yourself and kind of shows that you're a ser- serious candidate to part of part mm-hmm. of it as well. Yeah. I mean, you have your own uh, website. Would you advise that someone who wanted to get into this industry um, to have a website of their own as well as social media? Absolutely. I think having, um, whether it's a blog page or um, a website, my one is natalie-desilver.com, that, yeah it's almost kind of like the new way of showing a CV and you know, we, we kind of move mm-hmm. past the kind of old traditional ways of, you know, just having a CV written and stuff like that. Whereas, yeah. Um, a website or a blog page shows some of your work and it shows that you're um, being consistent into it. Even if you're not getting paid for it, you're still kind of, you're reporting on things, you're, um, you're reviewing things. Um, so it just kind of shows your passion and it shows the employer um, that, you know, this person is, you know, really into the field, you know, they're reporting on things, they're kind of getting out and about. Um, so that's so important to have a place that shows your um, previous work, whether it's small or big. So make sure you guys have some sort of blog platform or a website that shows some of your previous work. 
Okay, amazing. And I think we're on our last, is it our last or our fourth? I think we're, Maybe I think our we're last on tip, tip five now. <laughs> oh, tip that five, be, okay. Could be last many one. Tips, but for the last tip, I think is to stay passionate. Um, and I say this because yeah. it, yeah, it, it is Absolutely. easy to lose passion or lose sight of things just because you haven't mm. got somewhere, you know. As you know, as I mentioned before, yeah. you, know, um, you know, some people would think it, you would be able to get booked for something after maybe one month of being in an agency or if you do apply for um, an entertainment job whichever that is you'll be booked for it straight away and it's not the case that's like literally far from the truth Um, so I think Mm -hmm. showing that you're passionate about something no matter how long it takes is so important especially in something that's so competitive you know a lot of people are in entertainment yeah and there is so much competition Mm -hmm. there is some people who are just as passionate as you so you just need to find something that shows how you are different from someone else you know your usp i think that's important and that's where it comes into Mm -hmm. knowing who you are as a person knowing your value and then obviously that will separate you from someone else and you know what i mean you hear many times especially if you you know some people look at case studies like for example oprah and um and um yes. Washington you know they had a late start in life in terms of how they became recognized but they kind of stuck to what they were passionate about and mm-hmm. at that time they didn't mm-hmm. have anyone to that looked like them that they could look up to and or to be you know what I mean so yeah just having that staying yeah. passionate no matter mm-hmm. how long it takes if mm-hmm. you know you are good at something then just utilize it and go for it yeah and definitely and I think with Denzel Washington mm. it was a different time um, right. as well back in the 90s it, and things were completely different exactly. there was no social media so you right. really had to grind um, but I just wanted to add um, a, a mm. point to your last tip about you know sometimes you can be discouraged I think it's really important to mm. manage expectations um, what I've learned being in the creative industry is about managing other people's expectations right. and your own um, because we have and I think being creative you, you're mm. it's like you're a dreamer sometimes you have goals and ambitions and where you want to get to and you're quite right when you don't get that it doesn't yeah. become it's discouraging but it's like we don't count the costs of what it took to get there exactly. we just have the end goal but we don't think about the middle rubbish bits in the exactly. middle you know what I'm saying um so about managing expectations is, is definitely um a great tip I would um throw Absolutely. in there um just throwing <laughs> my two pence there Absolutely. I think if a lot more people knew about this and it would you would see a change because uh, it's easy you know everyone yeah. has dreams you know everyone has dreams everyone kind of has a thing of what they want to do in the future but if they can also back up with reality as well and to understand okay what am I sacrificing if I go into this because you know as we know being going into a creative industry is not always guaranteed and that's what we've got to remember as well you just need yes. to find um, your kind of road to that what would separate you from someone else um, if things do get tough would mm-hmm. you still go into it or would you kind of give but that's what separates people yeah mm. definitely there's a lot out there let me <laughs> <Right>. tell you <laughs> yeah um so I just want to move on to our last question really so um in your spare time um you mentioned this I think earlier on the podcast but you all you yeah. also um blog um so what was your inspiration behind the blog where can cool. you find um, it it's funny that actually because when I started blogging it was um I was in college and um I, yeah. I took media I did, I did a levels and I took media studies as one of them um and the course required us to blog about um because we were creating music videos at the time is <laughs> not the best but you know 
<laughs> been there, done that in media as well in college. Oh my gosh, it was like Jay Z dirt off your shoulder. It's terrible. Right. <laughs> so um, actually, and a friend told me actually um, while we was in class that I should start a blog. Um, mm. At the time, I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. I never kind of thought about that. Um, but then I realised, you know, having a blog is almost like having a diary. I don't know how many people kept diaries when they were younger, but I did. I <laughs> oh yeah, I definitely did, man. Right. Gosh, yeah. So from there, it kind of just started off as fun, really. Um, I just started blogging about some of my outfits. I started blogging about um, some of the magazines I used to read or some of the films that I've watched. And, I've, yeah, since then, it kind of just grew and grew. And I think for me, it was more just about um, posting what I thought. So it, in a way, in a sense, it's almost like having a Twitter account. But for me, I felt blogging for me was more um, interesting because I was able to write down my thoughts and I was able to um, kind of get you know, get my opinion on things that interested me, you know, that was a bit more than 140 characters or how many Twitter has, yeah. Yeah. So it started off as that, really, and then since then I've just been um, blogging all of my projects that I've taken part in, and actually I use blogging as a tool of um, having my own platform as well, so I was able to um, put all the projects that I did on my blog, and from there I was actually able to get more work experience, which led me to... um, to to bigger and better projects too um so you can find my blog it's on my website but my blog is called Mm lifeofacameo.com and um so i've gotten into a position now where um, i get sponsored posts as well which is really really good yeah Yeah. so um, like i was saying before it's just if you're passionate about something you just don't know what opportunities will come um and for me it just started off as something that i did for fun write down my thoughts and have an opinion on things and then it just took off from there yeah, I mean, this is a very, uh, really great example of how you're utilising your own platform. Not only are you on social media, you have your own blog where, again, it relates back to your work. So right. it's not just a, a vain thing that you just kind of thought of one day. Again, you're linking it back to your work, your social media, your website. So I think it's a great tip, mm. obviously, for our community. If there's anyone out there that does want to get into entertainment, right. any industry, really, um, all your platforms are linking to one. So it kind of makes sense so um if they can't reach you on instagram they know they can reach on your mm. website or through exactly. your blog you know um so it's amazing it's really really you know, good. i think yeah like you were saying it's, it's just about taking the opportunities as you can um and don't be afraid yeah. to promote yourself i know yeah. people might think oh i'm you know posting myself too much or i'm posting my work too much but at the end of the day if that's something that you're passionate about and you're trying to get um connections and stuff like that then go for it yeah absolutely um well natalie thank you so much for taking part um in this podcast where can we find you i mean what are your social sure. ha- uh, handles sure so you can find me you? on instagram and twitter um nat cameo that's n-a-t-c-a-m-e-o um or if you'd like to view my website see some of the things that i've been up to um so it's www.natalie-desilva.com and um my blog lifeofacameo.com but that's also linked into my website and if you want to you know see what i've been up to on youtube as well my full name natalie de silva um so you'll be able to link every everything from there amazing well thank thank you you so much again for coming um it's been a pleasure speaking to you and i just hope that um whoever hears this is inspired um definitely more collaborations to come absolutely (laughs) um but again thank you again Um,